Hello, you're listening to Behind the Podcast. Opening music is Heat Haze by Lee Rosevere off of Music for Podcast 2 by Lee Rosevere on Happy Puppy Records. Today we're going behind the podcast with Jeff Emptman and Bethany Denton of KCRW's Here Be Monsters. Listeners should be aware that because of the subject matter of Here Be Monsters, this podcast contains discussion of sensitive material, so we need to offer a trigger warning and or content warning for profanity, discussion of transphobia and cissexism, discussion of suicide, and discussion of sexual abuse against minors. If you're not comfortable with hearing such content, I strongly suggest skipping this episode. Once again, this is Behind the Podcast with Jeff Emptman and Bethany Denton of KCRW's Here Be Monsters. As a final note, listeners should be aware that there have been a few significant cuts made in this interview as a result of technical difficulties and liability issues. All right, I am here with Jeff Emptman and Beth Denton of Here Be Monsters. Hey, Sydney. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to be here. So you obviously have a very, very um, unique show. Um, so what would you say is like the unifying theme of what you're kind of doing with Here Be Monsters? Beth, do you want to speak to that? Sure. Um, the short answer would be that we are trying to make a show about the things that scare us. Um, and as Jeff likes to, says, likes to say, uh, it's, we'll never run out of material because... He and I are both the types that we think a lot about uh, weird and creepy things. Um, so in short, that's what we try to do. The longer answer would be um, our attempt is to kind of identify those things that scare us, that we don't understand, that, that are unknown, and if possible, to sit down and have a conversation with it with the recorder, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And there were a couple of episodes of your um, your show that I was listening to, and it seemed that they didn't really fit. Like I was, I was a little bit perturbed when I saw the um, episode about um, growing up transgender. But then I kind of realized that I was listening to it that it was more about having to hide, and that was the fear that was being explored there. Yeah, you know, fear fear is a really broad topic, and and I think what Beth, I totally agree with what Beth said about about kind of our approach approach on the show, um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's something we touched on here in a very recent episode, um, talking about terror management theory, which is this great, great uh, theory of sociology that, that talks about how essentially you can break down any action that a human takes and, and trace it back to kind of a, a fear of our, a, a, maybe like a subconscious understanding of our eventual mortality. Um, and I think that you can analyze just about any topic through that lens, and and that's kind of the route that we take, where it's, it's less a show with a specific topic in mind and more a show with a specific mindset in mind. Yeah. Um, so um, could the two of you just give, like, a brief background of, like, how you kind of got into this, like, how you wanted to do um, podcasting in general? You know, this is actually kind of a funny story, Sydney, just because... Um, Beth and I have known each other for a long time, and and we both know each other because we went to this funny little college up up in um, Bellingham, Washington, where we were doing um, college radio. Okay. And I was uh, the news director of the station at the time, and and Beth was one of the volunteers. Um, and we met that way, and we met through some classes that we took together, and we just each decided that we liked each other's work. And when I graduated, I had a, a 
little bit of extra time on my hand, and so I got the show started. And um, then here, when when KCRW got in, involved in the distribution, uh, Beth came on as a as a full time um, worker on the show. Okay, and how did you go to doing a podcast on this topic or from this perspective specifically? Well, Beth, Beth, do you mind if I take this? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, you know, as, as Bethany mentioned uh, earlier, you know, I, I would categorize, and, and Beth, correct me if I'm wrong for speaking for you here, but I, I think I think that I certainly consider myself kind of a worry wart. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe maybe Beth's in that category too, and absolutely. Uh, you know, kind of the the very neat story that I tell people about the origin of the show is is this series of um, this, this period of insomnia that I suffered right as I was graduating college, like realizing that, you know, I was 22 years old and, and I was graduating college and, you know, more highly educated than, than whatever, like 99% of the world or whatever they, they tell you, you know, it's like, like supposedly in this great place as far as, as far as education goes. And then just suddenly realizing that I still had no fucking clue what I was doing in the world and had no idea how the world actually worked because I'd been living in a bubble for 22 years and this idea of, of stepping out into actual, you know, the real world, as, as people say, that that idea terrified me and there were oh, this whole list of things that were keeping me from sleeping at night. So I decided that the only way to, to address this was to, to start um, running at my fears instead of running away from them. Um, that's kind of how the topic came about. That's pretty awesome, actually. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's something that's obviously resonated with people. I don't. I don't think that Beth and I are alone in that. In that kind of fundamental fear of of a lot of things. Um, so it, it seems that there's been a, a fair amount of response to that idea. Yeah. So, were there any other podcasts specifically that influenced you know what you were doing with the show, the style that you went for? Um, I can take that. Yeah. Oh. In terms of uh, the the sort of quality and aesthetic that we go for, I, I think uh, Jeff and I have talked about this a lot, that the show Love and Radio um, was really, uh, certainly for me personally, a real inspiration in terms of, you know, for, well, and also, uh, you know, I discovered this realm of narrative um radio storytelling in, when I was in high school and started listening to This American Life and Radio Lab. I think that those are two huge influencers that I think a lot of people who are in this field can point to and say, that was the first time that I realized that radio could sound like this. And then for me personally, discovering love in radio was like, oh my god, I didn't know radio could sound like this. Oddly enough, you know, that it's was a very, very much an enveloping... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was just going to say that was um, kind of the reaction that I had to listening to Hear Me Monsters the first couple of times. Like, wow, I have never heard anything like this, and I love it. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, no, I mean, I, I would just echo what you said, Beth. Um, I mean, you you were the one who, who sent me um, that, that episode of Love and Radio, which, which just was like was so, so out of what I was um, normally used to listening to. Um, mm -hmm. Senior year of college, you sent me that, um, the wisdom of mm -hmm. Jake, uh, of course. Um, but 
you know, for a couple of years, that was that was the only episode of that show I'd ever heard, and and I, I wasn't really a radio person. You know, I I studied mostly photography in my undergrad, um, and so honestly, I think a lot of where I come from stylistically um, is influenced by by you know a couple of years of of time that I spent doing heavy photography work, um, and my photography at the time was was kind of focused on on two areas. Um, one of those was dusk, you know, the time between when the sun goes down and when it gets dark. And the other the other thing it was focused on was um, a concept I was calling uh, emotional texture at the time, which is kind of kind of this idea of trying to visually capture um, a, a range or a texture of of emotions in a single image or a single body of work. Um, and and that. You know, uh, so a lot of my a lot of my influences are actually not radio people. They're they're um, photographers, uh, like William William Eggleston and Richard Avedon and uh, Nadav Kondar are are all people that I I really looked up to back in back in my time as a photographer. It's re it's really interesting, kind of that you're coming from there because now that I think about it, here be monsters for something that is purely audio has a lot of very great imagery um, woven into it. Well, thank you, kind of part of that, I think that really is part of that quality that the show has that I was just not able to put my finger on that just made it different. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think I think Beth and I are a little bit different on this front. But I actually I don't actually listen to a ton of ton of other radio, and it's only it's only sometimes when I when I um, listen to to other shows I realize there is actually something different there. But I I can suffer from this disease sometimes of of thinking that everyone else actually sees the world this the same way. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. How do you seek out stories to cover on the show? Uh, Beth, why don't you speak to that? Um, it's a lot of... <laughs> we did recently, um, in our weekly business meetings, create a new um, uh, subject called Bad Ideas, <laughs> oh. <laughs> where we just like, throw out like, hey, what would it be like if I did a story about my cat? Um, which I've pitched that more than once. <laughs> yeah, I see why you would. Cats are freaky. I mean, I love cats. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a reason we have all these myths and stuff about them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one way. Honestly, we, we get a fair amount of pitches that, like this season especially, I think... Every story that we've worked on with an outside producer was pitched to us. Okay. Um, so that's been really helpful. But it's it's just a lot of, like, like I said, we're both the types to kind of um, dig on, dig through Wikipedia pages <laughs> and go down those rabbit, those kinds of rabbit holes. Um, and I think one of the biggest uh, challenges... Uh, or skills that we've had to acquire in that realm is um, figuring out when something is a story and when something is an idea, um, which takes, you know, there's, there's, it, that takes some practice, right? Um, and usually <laughs> if there's ever, like, um, you know, friends of ours or listeners of the show are, like, have ideas of, you should do a story about this, um, that's sort of the challenge there is, is, discerning whether something is has an actual 
story and arc, uh, beginning, middle, end, and whether it's just like a, an interesting Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, you know, what's amazing is, you know, you have these guests on, and I just like, the stuff you're talking about, I almost cannot imagine, you know, just asking for an interview in that context. Right. I'd be more than happy to tell you how we find, you know, specific people. Um, it works better in the movies. Seems like a very, that seemed like a very, oh. I want to know how that happened. Like, what conversation led to that episode happening? I mean, uh, just short answer is Lena just told me that she used oh, to do that. Yeah. Here. Lena and I know each other, you know, in the in the real world. Um, okay. Yeah, that's, you know, it, it's, a lot of it's just She's people. She's worked with know. us in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did pick on that up that a lot of it is like people that you know, or you yourselves. I noticed that you had a couple of episodes like that. You know, we had, yeah. we had someone ask us uh, recently on Twitter about how, how Lena found um, the, the character in the, the piece before that that she produced, which was about Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Um, and she found one of the people who escaped Heaven's Gate before, oh, wow. before everyone, you know, um, killed themselves. And, and you know, we, we told this guy on Twitter, you know, we told him the, the truth, which is just that she saw him in an old BBC documentary. Um, he had a common name, but not a super common name. And we knew what city he lived in, you know, five or ten years ago. And so um, Lena just started looking through the phone books and, uh, you know, calling calling churches nearby and calling um, other people that might might n know him. And eventually she found someone who knew him. And, and, you know, he was amenable to being interviewed, which was amazing. But, you know, it, it's kind of a thing where, you know, before I started doing this work, I, I didn't realize that that there's there's a, a large percentage of people who are really willing to help you out if you ask for help. And yeah, I'm kind of like, learning that with my own podcast too. Yeah. And, and you know, it's not everyone, but it's it's a lot of people. You just have to say, hey, I need your help, and this is what would help me. Um, and and a lot of people will will happily oblige you because people like feeling helpful, and and especially if they believe in what you're doing, you know, it's mm -hmm. um, it's not as it's not as daunting as it seems sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned that some of the episodes do kind of focus on your own narratives, and certainly like with both yourselves and your guests, you kind of do get into some very personal topics on the show, and just like what is um, do you mind like talking a little bit about what that's like? You mean to to or just uh, I don't know to, um, like have your heart in in front of strangers? Yeah, basically. Hmm. Well, Beth, you, you you broached out pretty recently with that that episode about imposter syndrome. Right. I mean, it's really interesting because I feel I, it still feels very new to me to be doing that. And one, honestly, I think that one thing that helps is that uh, you know Jeff and I live in Seattle, and there's not there are people that make radio and make podcasts in Seattle, but um, it's a relatively small group that we all know each other, and and so the people that are paying attention to the show in a way that they would like actually talk to me in person about it are people who I already know and care about me. Mm -hmm. um, and then as for strangers listening to it, that all just happens on the internet and that like that separation there makes it a lot easier that, you know, and, and really I think we're lucky too in that um, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to. I think it was another round, but they made the point 
that it takes a lot for someone to hate listen to a podcast, right? Like it's it's an investment of time and brain space that you know it's different in that way than say you know writing articles on the internet where someone can just get pissed off about the title of an article. Yeah. Um, and so honestly, we've been really lucky in that I, for me anyway, have uh, for the most part only gotten positive feedback, and I'm a very sensitive person in a lot of ways. So that that helps. Um, but yeah, just having. Ha I think that because the industry is such that it happens online, it's so based online that 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 feels like enough of a separation. And then again, like I said, the people that are actually interacting with me in person are people that are um, that I already know um, and uh, you know respect their opinion. Um, I think that any time that I'm that I have included myself in a piece, like the one about imposter syndrome and the one about being Mormon and, and going to the temple, it's like those, I mean, this is going to be kind of cliche, but it really is like those are things that I believe are important and I and there's a part of me that knows that there are people that feel similarly that maybe haven't heard it yet. Right. Because I know how incredible it is to hear someone speak to an experience that I've had that I didn't, you know, that I don't often talk about. Um, and so that's part of, like, the motivation and, and the inspiration for putting those pieces together. Um, and honestly, it's, you know, it's just, it's a little bit easier to speak to something and, and create something that you know well. And yeah, I, you know, those, the experiences that I have are obviously experiences that are easy for me, easier for me to understand and see from a lot of different angles. So, yeah. yeah. And, and just kind of echo what, what Beth said there, you know, it would be it would be a really different thing. I, I certainly suffer with being kind of wishy-washy sometimes, and that that's very true about a lot of elements of my life, but... I try to I try to have like just a handful of things that I'm really certain about, and one thing that I'm really certain about is that the topics that we address on the show are things that are important for people to be talking about, whether the execution of that is is flawless or or even even um, mostly good, or if it's if it's just terrible, that's that's another question entirely. But mm -hmm. I don't ever question the validity of of what we're doing from a conceptual level. Um, and that makes you know whatever element of shyness that I have, which is which is big, um, or whatever element of you know like latent self lo self loathing or or worry that people are going to say mean things about me on the internet, like those are all easily counterbalanced by by the fact that I think that that uh, addressing topics of fear and the unknown are, you know that is that is for the benefit of everyone. Yeah. Um, and I also don't mean to make it sound heroic either, but. Um, because there, there's obviously, you know, uh, an element of, of narcissism that falls into uh, saying, hey, like, sit down and listen to me talk about my own life for Absolutely. half an hour. Um, so there's a lot of elements. Like, that's a huge question that you've asked. Uh, there's, there's tons of elements that, that play into, you know, why you would ever voluntarily let someone into your brain mm -hmm. um, who you didn't know. Yeah. So, what have been some of your favorite episodes to do from a story perspective? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a big question. Yeah, that's that's highly dependent. Beth, what was your favorite episode from this season to, to work on? 
Oh, wow. Well, to work on probably the, the piece that I produced about the satanic hotline, um, in part because that was an idea that I had for a long time that I uh, finally got around to executing, and it, there's a whole backstory of different directions that that story went, but I, I'm really thrilled with how it turned out. Um, is the kind of thing where, like, I had a source, but it didn't really pan out, and I interviewed another lady, and it wasn't the best tape, and I was kind of ruminating on, like, how am I going to make this story work? I've had this idea for so long. Um, and then it finally, I think, Jeff, I, I think it was your idea about doing a montage of the voicemails, and, like, just that, get, figuring out that structure at the beginning just totally paved the way for the, the story itself. So... Yeah, from a listening. That was a really that was excellent. Yeah, yeah, and and so from for that, like that was just a really gratifying experience because I still, um, uh, you know, that the the piece that I did about imposter syndrome is still very true to how I feel now, even doing this work. That there are times where I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I I am, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know, like if this is any good, how am I going to get this together? And so that, like, just seeing that story finally take shape and be real and, uh, you know, and, and ultimately be something that I was really happy with and, and, and feel like, you know, Jeff and I talk a lot about how we're very lucky and that we get to make the kind of radio that we'd want to listen to. And yeah. that was an example of, of, of piece that if I had heard that, I think I would have been very intrigued and, and, liked it a lot and so that was a very gratifying experience in terms of strictly listening quality uh, or like end product I it would have to be my top two favorites are how to be a girl and last chance to evacuate planet earth those again were just like if I even if I were not involved in the construction of those pieces if I had just listened to them uh, on their own would have been very impressed with how they turned out and, and even feel I even feel that way having kind of seen their development um, so yeah but even as I say that I'm like thinking of other episodes of, oh yeah that was the season two yeah. um, you know, you know, even the last episode we did I think has, has you know the, the vastest amount of gray area in terms of, like, I, I still feel pretty ambivalent, or not ambivalent. Um, you know, I, 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 I feel, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think that, I, that was a really challenging piece. I think piece I kind of understand was, what you're trying to say without you having to say it, having listened to that episode. Right. Um, and so I, I think that that's one that, once there's a little bit more, because that was that that episode took a lot to produce for for each of us, and was definitely new territory in terms of being a more investigative piece um, and kind of pushing us out of our comfort zone of relying on strictly um, personal belief. You know, the the that was a, a challenging episode to put together. So I. I'm excited to have a little bit more space from it to be able to revisit it and hear it with new ears. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also very, very proud of, of that piece as well. Okay. And um, Jeff, um, do you have any like favorite um, episodes that you've done? You, you know, especially in, in this, our fourth season, um, whether, whether it's our last episode on 
which was, as Bethany said, you know, being about you know, talking talking about a topic as, as taboo as, as sex offenses and and the um, strange system of of uh, indefinite uh, detention that, that happens for for some sex offenders in in some parts of the United States. Um, whether it's a topic like that or or something as as seemingly light as a satanic hotline, like they're they're all so vastly different. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I had a, I really enjoyed um, producing several of these episodes in, in the season. But I think, I think the one that kind of surprised me the most was this episode where, where I went to visit a psychic with, um, with a friend of mine down in LA when we were down there for a live show. And you know, we, we ended up into the Hollywood Hills, and, and there was just, it was, what happened in that space was so surprising to me that, that. Yeah, that was an incredible episode. Yeah, it was it was just such a uh, the flaming sort of truth one, right? Yes, the flaming sort of truth, um, where I just constantly was in this state during the interview of not knowing whether I should be like really concerned or laughing or um, just running out of there, you know, or or just just trusting of this this stranger who didn't seem to follow any of the societal rules that I was I was typically aware of, mm -hmm. so. Like for me, that's the episode that really sticks out from this season for me as as being a joy to produce because it was it was ambiguous, but it was um, it was there were still elements of it that were really solid and grounded and and you know one thing that that bears saying I think is that Bethany and I are in just this really incredibly lucky space where we have a a, a station that's paying us to make content with hardly any strings attached. You know, it's mm -hmm. like. They've really put their trust in us as producers um, to see where we can go if, as we develop, and I think it's it's really worth saying that that we owe you know a lot of what's been happening here in the recent development of the show to KCRW for for Absolutely. being some of the only you know we pitched the show out to a lot of places <laughs> about a year ago, and and most people were afraid of it. Like most people, most people didn't want to touch it, or maybe yeah. they thought it was awful. You know what I mean? But it's like it's like. Right. The vast majority of people. Understand. I mean, how do you like, how do you market something like this? Like, I love the podcast, <laughs> but like trying to find words to recommend it to people yeah. is a challenge. No matter how good it is, like. Yeah, no. Um, when we when we pitched the show out, Bethany and I put together this big packet of information, everything about the show, everything that that people were saying about it, everything that we'd covered, and and um, all this and that, and all this and that, you know, and. Um, like I said, you know the, the 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 predominant response from people was that's really interesting, but it's not for us. And um, it was really validating to you know, you know, but that wasn't the only response by any means. But it, it was um, it was really validating to see someone uh, see a radio station be willing to take kind of a risk with this um, because you know it wasn't it wasn't a, a program that had a, a built-in monetization method to it you know it's something that started as this like funny art experiment and kind of gathered a, a really different kind of podcast audience than, than most people were getting so um, they kind of took a chance with us and I think it's it's hopefully paying off for them you know so speaking of um, going back to the conversation we were having about specific episodes um, regarding the Cthulhu episode what was the decision to incorporate um, fiction into here be monsters <laughs> Um, you know, I met a I met Eric Malinsky at a conference um, either one year ago or two years ago. I think it was two years ago, 
-huh. And it be, it was incredibly apparent to me that that Eric knew what he was doing. Um, and you know, I found out. Uh, I think it was it was shortly thereafter that he, he started Imaginary Worlds, and I was I was just blown away by how how good some of his content was. And you know, he comes from a, a public radio background, and he he released on his feed something that he had aired back on Studio Three Hundred and Sixty back in the day um, that apparently garnered like the most hate mail ever or something like that over his Studio Three Hundred and Sixty piece or something. <laughs> but he. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. You know, like I'm not sure that's the most email ever, but um, but it was this it was this beautiful piece about him going off to interview vampires, and it was totally fictionalized. But he presented it in this in this super NPR voice. You know what I mean? Like this incredible NPR voice. So that oh, it, I'm kind of already a little bit of a War of the Worlds situation going on here. Well, I mean, it wasn't that so much. It, it was. It was just like it was just like very um, nonchalant and, and super okay. aware of the of the NPR tropes. Um, and he was like interviewing these couple of vampires, and it was just this like pleasant conversation about like the issues that were important to them, and, and this and that, and this and that. And he he put that out on Imaginary Worlds, and so I, I sent. Eric an email. It's like, hey, would you be interested in doing something like that for us? Um, and he said yes. And we went through about like six different ideas, and we eventually landed on this Cthulhu um, idea, and just kind of started storyboarding out some stuff. And and Eric was great. He just, I think he just like sat down probably over a couple of days and just pretty much wrote the script. And I did some minor edits and Beth yeah. did some edits, and he recorded it. Hired some voice actors. Um, Fiction is something that, that we hadn't touched on on the show before, but in my mind, at least, I think it's something that is essential to keep keep the show going because there's, there's just certain elements of fear that are not accessible through through truth. Um, there are certain certain kinds of fear that, that live off in the fictional world and, and certain situations that you can only get into in a fictional sense. Now, that being said, I think a lot of radio dramas really um, god-awful, but... But every now and then, people like like Eric, I think, can can um, get into that world in a really uh, mm -hmm. heartfelt heartfelt way that doesn't remind me too much of of um, like bad cinema. You know what I mean? So, when you were getting started with this, did you ever really anticipate that Here Be Monsters would get the kind of response that it did and kind of become as popular as it has? Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Um, there, there. I certainly hoped it. I, I hoped it would be. You know, I, I. Um, yeah, I hoped I would be the world's most famous person, and and everyone would love me, and that I would never have anything bad happen to me for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, how much of that I actually expected to happen uh, is is kind of uncertain in my memory. I, I don't really know. I don't know if it was. But kind of what I said, Beth, where are you going? What? <laughs> Just heard a door creak open. Um, it's because I have to paste. Oh. Um, anyways. Um, you know, kind of what I said at the onset was I said, I'm going to give this five years. And if it sucks in five years, then I'm going to quit. And I'm going to, I don't know, like like move to Wyoming and get a goat farm or something. I don't know. You know, okay. or I'm or I'm going to go like try and get a teaching job or a master's degree or maybe just a, a station-based uh, reporting job or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, 
let's see, that was 2002. So, so in about a year, uh, we'll be hitting five years. Um, and after three, you know, it got picked up by, by uh, a radio station, which is a huge. Do you mean 2012? Yeah, the show started in 2012. Sorry. 2012, I think. I think it was. I think it was September of mm -hmm. 2012. Okay. Was the first episode. Yep. Or maybe it was August. I can't remember. Um, so yeah, I always said five years, and then it's time for a big reevaluation. So we haven't even hit that point yet, but um, you know, based on the trajectory, based on the fact that, that we're still getting more listeners, we're still finding new people who haven't who mm -hmm. haven't um, found the show, who um, who they, we know that there's more people out there that this kind of content speaks to, and we're constantly working to widen the net of the kind of people we're working with, because you know. Mm -hmm. Due to the fact that Beth and I often talk to people that, that we know personally, um, there there is a certain um, there's a certain kind of bias to the, the stuff that we produce. So so you know right. we hope that as we get to know more people and that as we seek out more different kinds of content, um, the net will continue to widen and um, the discourse will continue to to broaden. Yeah, and we'll have more interesting friends. <laughs> yeah. So where do you see yourself taking the podcast in the future? I've noticed that like um, the later episodes have been trying some newer things, like incorporating fiction and things like that. Hmm. Beth, where are we taking the show in the future? Um, obviously, I'm going to produce an episode about my cat. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, conceptually, definitely fiction was, was the thing that we talked about of being like, oh, this could be really good or really bad. Let's try it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I... Yeah, I mean, I, I think just, like, um, being more open to being experimental and... and um, One thing that I really appreciate about working with Jeff on this um, that we, t we talk about quite a bit is this idea of not trying to find a tidy, uh, you know, perfect ending to each story to just being okay to sit with I mean the unknown for um, at the risk of sounding cliche um, and I think just like continuing to like develop that sense of like when it's okay to be unsure about something um, and and not have that be the death of a story but part of the fabric of a story mm -hmm. um, because that's the advantage that we have of not being as Jeff and I say capital J journalists yeah. um, we're, we're more storytellers and so there is there is freedom there and that we are able to do things that we would not be able to do if our job title were different or if we were working on a different um, <sighs> production and not, not to say that ours is automatically better or anything like that, it's just I, I think that that's sort of the realm that we've been able to build for ourselves and, and in that way are going to have freedom to explore it. Um, so yeah. yeah. I think that element of fear will always be there. Um, but I think that just as we continue to do this, there will also be more bravery there. Yeah, and so kind of like pulling the focus out um, a little bit, like being kind of involved, having this podcast, being in the podcasting community. Are there any places you see podcasting itself 
changing in the future. Sorry, say that again? Mm-hmm. Well, just are there any places that you see the podcasting community like going in the future? Podcasting community. I'm trying to think of the shows I listen to. Um. I do I do see there being more uh, fiction mm-hmm. with stuff like um, Mime Town and I think The Message, is that the one that GM did? It was about like aliens or something. I didn't listen to it. But I know it exists. Um, I also, one thing that is really exciting to me is that there is just recently in this last year, there's been a, there have been a, several new podcasts that are deliberately giving vo- diverse or voices to diverse people. Um, so there's, you know, another round is a great example of that. The Read, Two Dub Queens, um, just to speak specifically to podcasts that have black hosts um and those are podcasts i listen to and you know as a middle class white kid living on the west coast it's really valuable to be able to it feels like getting a peek into this this part of culture that i don't normally see um, because i am white and so that and and those aren't the those aren't necessarily experimental storytelling podcasts like here be monsters um but I am, I'm excited for there to just be a greater diversity of produ- producers um, and uh, of voices and issues. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really exciting. Yeah. And, and I agree with Beth on this. Um, I, I think probably the, you know, I was kind of struggling to think of anything creatively that's that's changing just because I'm I'm kind of, Kind of out of. I, I usually find out about cool things about about twenty years after they happen. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> a lot. But I think that's absolutely right, and I think a lot of that is is due to the fact that that a people um, that technology is becoming very accessible, um, and b that, that more people are becoming technology literate enough to be able to do an entire production in house um, and produce content. And if they have a great idea, then great. Like. like um, it's not going to be. It's not going to be left up to the um, like geek elite to create the content right. anymore. Um, and, I mean, people are going to that that class of people, which I think I fall pretty pretty well into, um, are still going to make make certain kinds of work. But there's not going to be um, there's not going to be some sort of uh, there's not going to be as much of a gate there for people to to put out content if it's important. Um, I think that's, you know, it's a scary thing. You know, it means that the the rules of the medium are going to change, but there's no part of that that's bad. Yeah, I know. I find right. that actually. So that was about all the questions I had for you today. So thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I, we'd love to have yeah, a link. Yeah, um, Have it up, and you know, we'll we'll, we'll share it around. Um, you know, so that so that people can hear this and, and the other episodes you're working on. Who else are you uh, looking to talk to, Sydney? Um, honestly, the, the project that this was for is about to end, so I'm not sure where I'm going to go from here. I might, um, kind of take a break from doing the show just to finish up school, but, like, after doing this, I think I definitely do want to come back to it. Cool. hmm It'll be interesting just to see, um, what I can get together in the future. Thank you. Well, absolutely. Thanks, Sydney. Keep in absolutely. touch. And, uh... All right. That was Jeff Emptman and Bethany Denton of KCRW's Here Be Monsters, and this has been Behind the Podcast. 
Closing track is Heat Haze by Lee Rosevere off of Music for Podcast 2 by Lee Rosevere from Happy Puppy Records. This podcast was recorded using Google Hangouts and Audacity. You can find more of Here Be Monsters on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at hbmpodcast.com. Special thanks to Jeff Emptman and Bethany Denton, of course, and Professor Beth Austin for helping to make this completely non-monetized podcast a reality. If you want to hear more of Behind the Podcast, you can find it at boldlypodcasting.wordpress.com or on SoundCloud or archive.org. And if you have a podcast and you'd like to be featured on the show, you can contact me on Twitter at SydneyOnAir or at sydneypodcasting26 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.